Jesus, Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, for this time that we're in your word. Help us to just uh, move everything aside, all of our worries and concerns, and just focus on being with you, uh, your holy word, your Holy Spirit, who's a true teacher of the word of God. I just thank you for this great opportunity to be together with uh, fellow believers and to learn more about you. I ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Self-control. Um, self-control for the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. This is probably a new verse for you. But um, I thought I'd start with Joanna. <clears throat> but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We're going to be focusing on self-control tonight. I wanted to point some stuff out because many times we, um, we don't actually see what we actually see. And, and, uh, if you look at this, the, the Spirit's fruit, the word is is. It's singular. And uh, it's followed by words. So fruit equals love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's all one. It's a, singular, it's a singular verb that's actually talking about many things that are part of that fruit. It is not one thing. It is all of those into the fruit of the Spirit. Um, what I wanted to point out is that, most of all, is that it is, this is, this is going to sound funny, but this is not about us. It's not about you. It's not your fruit. It's not my fruit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's the subject of this verb. Okay? And the reason I bring that up as a point is because Christians, when they fail at this, the first thing they do is they go, oh, I just wish I had more joy. Right, okay, you know something? You just took yourself and inserted it into the place where the Holy Spirit is spoken there. That joy is not your personal joy. That peace is not your peace. That forbearance and patience is not yours. The kindness is not yours. The goodness is not yours. The faithfulness is not yours. The gentleness is not yours. And self-control is not yours. It's not about you. Okay. Yours is lacking. Okay. Mine is lacking. This joy we're talking about here, this peace, this love, it's infinite. It's infinite in its, in its context. It's, it's um, the control here is not about me controlling or you controlling. It's about the infinite self-control that God, the Holy Spirit, gives to a believer when they're in fellowship with him. Not a little bit. An infinite amount is just waiting for you. That joy and that peace is with you. If you walk in fellowship with the Lord. Now, note there there's a word but, and I... But, and I tell, I tell this in my class all the time, I say, but is a conjunction of contrast. It compares one thing with another thing, okay? The verse itself is talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the word but, you notice, is at the beginning of that. So you have to go back to the other parts of those verses to see what the contrast is. But he says here, he says, Galatians 5, 19 and 21, it says, <clears throat> the acts of the flesh, note the word acts, okay? Acts are not what you think, they're what comes out of what you think, okay? But the acts of the flesh, and the flesh here is the word sarcophe, and it means, the, it means your, your fleshly part, it means the, the old man, the old sin nature. It has a lot of different meanings to it. But it's talking about the flesh itself. So it says the acts of the flesh are obvious, now, I like that part because it's telling you that, guess what? Nobody has to give you a hint on what your acts of the flesh look like, okay? Um, but this is, this is confused on a regular basis, okay? So the acts of the flesh are obvious. And that, that, that does mean if you don't understand that, you're kind of missing something, okay? It's kind of a joke. Um, there are sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, Fits of rage, 
uh, selfish ambition, dissents, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So it is all these things. Guess who that is? That's us. That's right. Okay. And the other part, the little PCBs, and I, I didn't notice, you know, I've read this verse a thousand times. And I looked at it and it says, and the like. What's he saying about and the like? What he means is that all the stuff I didn't mention that you already know. Okay? Now, the reason this is called like, and, and this is called the, the acts of it, is because there's obviously other parts of our nature that we have to kind of understand. And one of those is that there are pieces, there are times when we are not sexually immoral, right? That's kind of a joke for Christians. That's supposed to be a joke. Uh, you, guys, uh, you guys do have times when you're not sexually immoral, right? No, that's the joke. Um, but you have times when you're not impure. You have times when you're pure, right? You have times when you're, when you're calm and you're relaxed and you're doing what's right. You have a time when you worship God. You have a time when you're not involved in drugs. Hopefully that's all the time. Um, you have a time when you're not hating, but you're actually being okay and liking and loving, right? We have both of those sides. We, there's discord. We have times when we're not in discord, right? We have times when we're not jealous. We have times when we're calm. We have times when we don't have selfish ambition, but actually care about other people. So there's two sides of this in us, and they are us, okay? But these are the acts of them. These are the ones that come out of them and produce sins we're, we're familiar with. But we have both of them, and I say that because God the Holy Spirit has this category, that's in 23 and 24, and we have this category of the parts that actually overtly come out. There's actually another side to each of those pieces where they don't come out, but they're still ours. They're still human. They are still not of God. That makes sense? The, um, the word itself that we're working here with is, uh, that, that first word is a, it's an E-G-K-R-A-T-E-I-A, -E and it's egkratia is how you pronounce it. And the first word, E-G, is because when you put two words together, sometimes you take the one in the middle out. It's the word ego. Uh, and that means self. We call it the word ego, right? But ego's not always bad. This is ego. So it tells us that there's a piece of it that there's a control. That's krata. That's the power part, like a, like a, like a, uh, a democrat or a kratas is a, is a controlling part. And the other part is the ego. That's ourselves. So the, the word means to be self-controlled to have mastery, to have temperament, temperance, okay? And that's what the word means by itself. And that's the word that we're talking about in this verse. It only comes up four times in, in, the, in the New Testament. Uh, Danker is one of the scholars on Greek that most people who want to find a definition for a specific verse can find the exact definition of that word. His name is Danker. It's a pretty good-sized book. But what's nice about it is it tells you the exact meaning of that word in that verse. That's kind of cool. You know, you're trying to find something out. And th that definition is restraint of one's emotions, impulses, or desires, self-control. There's a guy named uh, uh, Kittle who's even better than Danker. He has like this many books that do that same thing. But he actually goes through the text. And what's good about him is that he actually tells us every way that this word has ever been used in all of Greek history, which is kind of nice. Okay? And it, it really plays well into our piece here because what Kittle says, he says, is a virtue in the Greek Hellenistic sense. Um, and Hellenistic is just a name for the Greek of the, of the Roman Empire during Alexander the Great. But the important part of that is it is a virtue from a human point of view. Okay? So it's the exact same word, but the context is a human word. Okay? It's kind of like um, uh, if, I, as, if I'm an unbeliever and I have self-control over my life, I can self-control. Do you know unbelievers who can have self-control? Sure, there's a bazillion of them. In fact, many times those unbelievers have better control of themselves than believers do. So what does it tell us about that is that word, depending on its context, that there is a human part of self-control, and there is the other part, what we're talking about in our context, where is the Holy Spirit self-control. They are not the same. They're two different things. When we lack self-control, we beat ourselves up, 
right? We say, ah, why do I do that? Okay? That's not the same one we're talking about over here. They're two different things. But it's important to know the difference because usually what happens is when you're getting a lesson or a sermon, somebody's talking to you about it. And what happens is you, you interpret that is that I just need to have more joy. I need to have more peace. I need to have more self-control. I need to have more love. All those things you say you need, they are ungodly. God does not accept them. They're rubbish to him. They're trash. Okay? And this is the verse that tells us that. Isaiah 64, 6. All of us become like one who is unclean. Okay? This is unclean like and separated. And all of our righteous acts like filthy rags. Now note the words that's there. Our righteous, look at the word righteous. Our righteous acts are like filthy rags to God. And this word for filthy rags, some of you are familiar with this word. And this is a, this is really, really filthy, really nasty, really not nice. Okay, so I'll just tell you that so you don't have to look it up. But what it's saying there, and it says, and then it gives you a little metaphor underneath it where it says, we all shrivel up like a leaf. Okay, if you have a little leaf, we all shrivel up like a leaf. And like, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Very similar, in my mind, to Psalms 1-4, where it says, when it talks about, there's a contrast between believers and unbelievers. And one of the things it says, it says, and they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Okay? What that means with this one is it says, all of your very best stuff that you have, is rubbish to God. So when you sit there and say, you know, I'm going to act really upright today. I'm going to act righteous. I'm going to act, I'm going to really be good. God sits there and he does this. He says, what are you going to be done? That's what he does. That's what that says. Your righteousnesses are as filthy rags to God. And what happens to us is that when we mess up, we always go to what we know. We always try to control ourselves, make ourselves better and smarter. And what happens with that? <laughs> We crash and burn, right? I don't know about you, but every time I've tried to make myself better and reconcile myself, I sort of wrestle myself into it, it lasts about three days, and I go right back to who I was, okay? And that's what this is telling us. Not only is it not successful, but it doesn't count for God. It actually makes him want to get sick, okay? So it's important to know that one is there. Before going any further, because there's three pieces here, I want to do a contrasting word. And that, that word is uh, akrasia, is the word up there. And it's the exact opposite. It is to lack control. Okay? It is the lack of control. Um, because it's really the piece that we're looking at. When you don't have self-control, what do you have? Lack of control. Okay? That's the word. So let's take a look at it. And it means to lack control or restraint. Now, what's important about this word, this is the work that, that this is one that Jesus is talking about. And these people here, it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Now, you know who they are, right? They are the top dogs. They are the, they are the most religious people. They are the people everybody bows down to. If you look at the concept, what, what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, this is like, uh, I'll just poke a little fun. This is like the Pope, okay? And this is like the bishops. This is like, I'm not going to say Joe. I know you thought it was coming, but I'm not going to say it. I'm just kidding. Have a little fun. But this, like the top, these are the most religious people in the world. Okay? These people know every piece of the Word of God. Before you can become a Pharisee, you memorize entire chapters. These are the go-to guys. This is, these are the Bible answer mans. Okay? That's who these people are. Okay? And look what he says. You hypocrites. Jesus calls them hypocrites. This is the best. This is the cream of the crop of the Jewish society. Okay? You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. What he's saying there, and he's talking about their souls. He's talking about their souls compared to their behavior. If you look at these people, they're the people where everybody says, I want to be like him. I want to be like Pharisee Joe. 
or a Pharisee Paul or a Pharisee Richard. I want to be just like them because they are so holy. They, 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 they're always, they would never say one word wrong. They won't. They won't do it. They give their own tithes. They have a garden and they pick the little bit, 10%. Put that in the offering plate. Okay? These guys, this is like super good. Okay? And that's what, what Jesus looks at them and says, what you are on, on the outside is not what you are on the inside. Your soul. Your soul is filthy. It's full of greed. It's full of self-indulgence. Okay? The inward part of their soul is evil. Okay? The truth is, if you know the scriptures, you know that these guys, most of them aren't even believers. Not even believers. Most of the Pharisees and the Sadducees are not believers. The entire Sanhedrin probably has two people in it who at the time are actually believers. The other 68 are unbelievers. Okay? So the piece here, what he's saying, he's saying on the outside you look great, but on the inside, I know you. You are evil to the core. In fact, if you remember what Jesus says about him, what does he say? You are the sons of Satan. What he says to him. I would like to say that to the Pope, right? Um, I shouldn't pick on the Pope, huh? It is kind of fun, but what I'm saying here is that what you see on the outside is not what's true on the inside, and God knows the difference between those two, okay? So when we see people on the outside, there is no discernment on our side, no ability on our side to know what they really are, okay? We don't know. And these are the best, okay? This is the best. The next piece here is, is out of Timothy. And the reason I bring this one up is this, this is a, a piece in the verse before this. It says, um, that talking about religious people having the form of godliness. Actually, it's a verse after. These people, I'll just say, this is in the last days, and, he's, and Paul's telling us to Timothy, and he says, these people are without love. They're unforgiving. They're slanderous. They're without self-control. That's the word we're looking for, without self-control. Brutal. They're brutal. Not lovers of good. Now, before you think this is the evil side, it's not. The context of the verse that comes in verse 5 says, these are religious people. And it says, they have a form of godliness, let that sink in, but they not deny its power. Okay? What power? Power of the Word of God. Power of the Holy Spirit. These are religious people. We're surrounded by it. Many times we make the mistake of seeing Mormons. Okay, I'll just pick on them because I'm a, I'm a full opportunity pick on everybody guy. <clears throat> we look at Mormons and we go, they're such great, they're wonderful people. From a human point of view, they are. They, 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 they're better fathers sometimes and better husbands and they, they're great at work. They do all these things. But if you believe the word of God, we know that they are not saved because they do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They are, it is not their savior. Okay, so what's it tell us? That's this piece here. In reality, is that in reality, what you see there is somebody who is religious and does it really, really well. Okay, so that's what this piece. And this happens in the last days, and this is the warning he gives them. But these are some, these aren't the bad guys. These are some of the best people on the earth in the last days of the church. They're religious people. There are lots of religious people, and what they do is they do what is good but they do not and cannot do what is holy. Okay? Back to our word. Okay, this word means self-control. We've talked about it. It actually shows up in four times in the New Testament, just four times. One of them is in our verse in Galatians, and one of them is here. And I want to show you that, that in some cases, they don't actually, um, this is really good. I just noticed that the timer I pushed, it's, I'll start it right now, 45 minutes. No, just, just um, yeah, I'll, see, I'll watch my, my wife cringe, and I'll know that I'm in trouble. Um, it's important to look at the context of the word, because sometimes the context of the word is not the same context that we're looking at. And, and this is a great uh, example of it. Uh, this is in the book of Acts, and this is one, if you remember, this is when Paul was arrested, and um, 
he was arrested for being stupid. And he went and cut his hair and made a vow and all kinds of stuff in the temple. Yeah, it's one of his creepy things. But it says, as Paul walked, uh, as, as Paul talked to, uh, about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix was afraid. Okay? Felix is the governor up in Caesarea. Okay? Remember, he got transferred up there because it was, they were trying to kill him. The Jews were trying to kill him, Paul. Um, but note what it says there. He said, and he says, so much, he says and, um, and he said, Felix says, that's enough for now. You may leave, and when I find it convenient, I will send for you. Now, if you look at that verse, you really can't understand what he's talking about there until you look at the verse where Jesus is talking about underneath it, John 16, 8. And what it says there, it says Jesus is talking, and he says, when he comes, he is the Holy Spirit. He hasn't come yet. That's Pentecost. So when he comes, when he comes, he's talking about He says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. You notice those words are pretty similar. The wording there is very similar. What Paul is doing here, what this tells us, is what is Paul doing? He is evangelizing Felix. And his wife, Drusia, his wife is also there. So he's actually evangelizing the governor. While he is up there for a crime, he is evangelizing, which just goes to show you you can do it anywhere, right? <laughs> Doesn't matter the context. And the word here, this is what the Holy Spirit convicts people of when they're saved. Okay? This is what he convicted us of before we came saved. And what he's doing there is he's saying righteousness in a pure righteousness sense. Self-control. What happens when somebody talks about self-control, righteousness, and judgment? The very first thing you do is you compare yourself to it. Okay? And what happens when you compare yourself to the gospel that's given by the Holy Spirit? And Paul, you become afraid. That's what happens. You become scared. You're terrified. Because you know you don't meet that standard and there's a God that's going to judge you and you are going to hell. That's why he's afraid. That's why he has fear. That's why he says, well, I'll talk to you later. Okay, out of here. Get out of here. So he dismisses them. And we know that because of the verse underneath there where we are, we are shown in John 16, 8 that the Holy Spirit is the one who actually is the one who tells the person's soul about Judgment, sin, and righteousness. That's what he tells them. That's what he uses to convict the person, to make them realize that they are in great need of a Savior. Okay? So this word you can see, that self-control, is the same context. He's talking about self-control from a position of a godly point of view. Okay? He's not talking about human control, self-control, because that would just be a virtue. That'd be a virtuous good guy. Not necessarily a believer, but just a virtuous guy. Um, the other part that's interesting here is that if you look at it, it, says when he comes into the world, he'll prove the world to be wrong about sin and about righteousness and about judgment. He will prove them wrong because what is God's point of view compared to humans, the world's point of view? Sin, don't worry about it. Everybody sins. Nobody expects you to be righteous and a saint. You know? Don't worry about judgment. We're all going to be up there. We'll, we'll, we'll do okay. Yeah. I'm not a bad guy. I'm not as bad as, uh, I'm not going to say it. I'm not, I'm not as bad as him, the other guy. That's the world's point of view. But when the Holy Spirit convicts that person, that's not the view. It's not that, eh, don't worry about it view. It's the cut to the marrow and the bone. It's the word of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It gets right in their face. He is the true teacher. Second Peter 1, uh, 5 through 8. For this reason, make every effort okay, to add to your faith. This is, a, has this, this is the third word, the third place where this comes up, the word self-control. You can see it right there. And it says, make every effort to add to your faith. What this is saying is that you have a responsibility to do something. This is not God's part. This is your part. Okay? God will provide his part. You have to provide your part. You have to make every effort. You made an effort to be here. You have to make an effort to attend Bible studies. You have to read your Bible. You have to pray. You have to make an effort. That's what this. Make every effort. Okay? To add to your faith. In this case, faith is not faith like I believe. This is, this is, this is the faith of what is believed. It's doctrine. 
is the principles. And it's telling them how to grow in faith. Okay? So it says here that you um, add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, the word goodness here is the word that comes from the word agathos. And it means to be good of intrinsic, uh, intrinsic good. It means it has value like gold. Okay? And it's talking about the good of God. It uses a very specific word here. Okay? So you add to your doctrine goodness. You, you add to it the goodness of God. And then the word here, the uh, next word is knowledge. And that knowledge is what they call epinosis knowledge. It, it's a knowledge that is not of God because it's not accepted yet. It's what I'm giving you right now. I am giving you the truth of the word of God, but for you, it's in, unless you already know this doctrine and accept it, it's called gnosis. It's just academic knowledge. Thank you very much. Much rich. I, I listened to what you said, and no thank you. That's what that is, okay? Two plus two is four is, is gnosis, okay? So he's saying, go to a Bible study, listen to it. You won't believe it when you first hear it. You compare it to the word of God, make a faith effort to believe it. Then it becomes yours. Then it becomes the last word down there in knowledge, the very last piece, where it says, your knowledge. That's not the same word. It's the same word to us, but it's not the same word in Greek. That word's epinosis. Epi means be above. It's the knowledge of God, okay? So you take and you go to Bible studies and you listen to that truth and you listen to it and you accept it or you reject it, depending on whether it matches the Word of God. Perseverance. Okay, this is when you persevere. This, you can see this step here is one of growth. Next word is godliness to godliness. That's the word eusebi. It means to be like God. Mutual affection. That's the brotherhood. That's brother. That's koinia. That's our friendship with each other. Um, and love. Okay? Love is agape love. It is the infinite love of God. And if you, so notice an if. And if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they're growing, okay? They will keep you from being ineffective, ineffective, and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The opposite of that means that if you don't do these, you're going to stay flatlined. Okay, flatlined is really, it means dead, okay? You're going to heaven, but you are giving nothing to the Lord, zero, okay? And when you get the assessment in heaven, he'll let you know that. This is spiritual maturity. It's actually called uh, experiential, meaning experience, sanctification. It's the part where it says, to, the part where it's in the scripture where it says to work out your salvation. Well, you're not working out your salvation, right? That's stupid. You, you don't work for salvation, right? You, you get it as, as a result of faith. But it means here that you're, you're growing in your faith. You're growing in your maturity. You're doing these things here. You're comparing knowledge. You go into Bible study. You, you take that Bible study. You take that knowledge. And when you have tragedies in your life, you apply it. That's called perseverance. You depend on the Lord. You do each piece of this. And as you do that more and more, you grow in godliness. You become more Christ-like, okay? You, you end up loving people because even though that you know that they are not perfect, they are like you. Why do you know that? Because God has shown you your failures. Okay? And then ultimately you, you have the love of God. And agape love is an infinite love. Okay? It is the love of God. It's not our God. It's not our love. It's his. We have to take it on. Okay? So if you want to be productive, that means meet God's plan, and you want to... Um, grow and mature and be a productive and effective Christian, that's the recipe. That's it. This is the how part. Okay, this is, this is the one piece here. This is when Titus is talking. Uh, what he did, remember this story, Titus comes from him going to uh, Crete for Paul. And um, if you know where Crete, it's an island in the Mediterranean. But if, for those who know, you, hear, you know the word Cretan, Gives you some idea of what these people are like, okay? Uh, and that quote, Paul even quotes somebody in there. He says, all Cretans are liars, okay? He's talking about these people <laughs> he's talking about here. So, but here he's talking about a selection process. And, he's, and there's a word he uses before this where he talks about elders, which is the word presbyteros, where we presbyterian. This word, it says, since, the, and overseer, that's the word, that's not the same word. It's an episkopos, where we get episcopalian. Um, it is a word that's talking about a pastor teacher. And what he's doing, Paul's saying, you need to go and find some pastors and set them up in these cities so these people can be fed by God's word. Okay? Um, so that's what that piece is. So this is the criteria. He says, since these pastor teachers, overseers, 
manage God's household. That's what Joe does, right? Joe is the manager of God's household. Okay? He tells me, go do this. And he tells you guys, go do this. That, that's what we do. He's the manager. He, he's, the, he's the head dude. That's a cute word, huh? <laughs> he's the head man. Okay, that, that's true. Uh, in reality, he is the, he, he's, he's the guy. Stop with him. Okay? But this is the criteria for that. Okay? He said he must be blameless. Okay? That does not mean perfect. Okay? It means he lives a life where he cleans it up continuously. Okay? Not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness. That's why the whole life had to go away, huh? <laughs> okay. Um, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. These are criteria. This is, that right there is the not list. Okay? If you do those things, you have disqualified yourself from this list. You can't be a pastor and a teacher in Crete. You can't be a pastor teacher anywhere. So that's the not list. Those are the lists. Those are qualifying. He's to discern those things and say, yeah, you got this one. No, 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 no. Hmm, that looks like a possibility. Ah, here we go. Let's see this guy. That's what he's doing. He's discerning, okay? It is important to discern things by God's word. You're responsible for it, especially in his position. Titus is like Paul's right-hand man. Rather, that's a word for like but, rather than these nots, he must be hospitable, okay? He must, uh, one who loves what is good. That's the word agathos again. He must love what God calls good. Not what men call good, but what God calls good. Okay, they're two very different things. Who is self-controlled. This is that word. This, is, this means that he is self-controlled by the Holy Spirit. Okay? He allows that operational power of God to operate in him. Okay? He is upright, and here's the clincher word. This is how you know we're in the right path. He is holy. If you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can never, ever be holy, no matter how good you are. Okay? This is uniquely of God. And he is disciplined. And these are growing things. But he's looking for them, and those are the qualifications. Those are the qualifications that are required. He must hold firmly uh, to the trustworthy message. That's the word of God when it's preached in a sermon or in a class. Okay? He must hold firmly. Okay? He can't deviate from it. Okay? As it has been taught by Paul and by others. He can't just make stuff up. He has to stay right in that with doctrine that is, that is authorized by God. So that he can encourage others by sound doctrine. Not emotional, not, hey, it's, it's going to be just fine. No, no, not that stuff. That's rubbish. It's okay to have that stuff. It's a human trait. It's nice and sweet. It doesn't mean anything in God's world. What means something is when you take somebody who is discouraged and you say, remember that God is always with you. God knows all things. He has not missed you. He has not forgotten you. You have to trust him. God knows everything. He has all power. That's the word of God. That's the encouragement. But guess what? You can't encourage somebody with Bible doctrine and principles, the doctrine, sound doctrine here, if you don't know them. You can't. All you can do is pat them on the back and say, it's going to be okay. okay. And refute those who oppose it. What's it? Sound doctrine. Refute what? That's called apologetics. You have to know the word of God in order to defend it. If you do not know the word of God, you cannot defend it. Okay? That's what that says. Romans 8, 2 through 4. Because through Christ, Jesus saw... Uh, this, is a, this is a really kind of complicated piece here, but it, it, when you dissect it, it makes sense. He says, but through Christ, Jesus... The law of the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit of the New Testament. Okay, that's different. That's our doctrine for Christianity. Who gives life, gives spiritual life, gives the life of the Holy Spirit so that you can actually live a Christian life. Okay? Um, has set you free from the law of sin and death. What's the law of sin and death? The Mosaic Law. You know those Ten Commandments we teach our kids? That's the law of sin. In death. 
When you sin, you die. That's what it says. Okay? That's what that is. For what the law was powerless, and this is the piece here. This is the part that's getting into the part why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. What the law did is it gave you instructions and it said, do this to be righteous. And what happens is because of our flesh, we could not do the law. We cannot keep the Ten Commandments. Okay? Especially as unbelievers. God did, we said, it was weakened by the flesh, but the law of, of the Ten Commandments, the law, and it's not just the Ten Commandments, it's actually Levitical offerings and the, and the uh, social law, but the law of Moses cannot help you. It can't make you righteous. It can't save you. Okay? And what it's saying here, it says, but God did it. God understood this concern. And what he did is that God did this by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, in the likeness of sinful flesh, likeness, but not sinful, like us, okay, to be a sin offering, that's the cross, and so he condemns sin in the flesh. That's what he did on the cross, he condemned sin. Okay. It died, it washed away, it's done history. Okay. In order that, so this is the purpose, this is called a purpose clause, in order that the righteous requirements of the law could be fully met in us. What does that mean? That means when you walk in the Spirit, you fulfill all the law requirements. All the standards of God are fulfilled when you walk in the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's what that means. Who did not live who, in us, and he says, who do not live according to the flesh. That's kind of a, a parenthesis. It's confusing because it says, but live according to the, the Spirit. So it's saying here is that you guys live according to the Spirit, so you do not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You walk with God. You have that power. But if you live, try to live in the law, you will not live a godly life. You will not satisfy that. You will be living in the flesh because the flesh overcomes the law. There's two choices. You can either live in your flesh or you can live in the spirit. When we were, before we were believers, the only option they have is to live in their flesh. They can either be sinful or they can decide to be virtuous. You know, that virtuous, we're talking about the Hellenistic Greek virtuous. We can be, a, we can be good people. The problem is that good people don't go to heaven. That's the hard thing to understand. Why don't good people go to heaven? Because they don't meet the righteous requirements of the law, which is the law of God. They can't do it. They can't get there from here. Okay? Romans 5, 8, 5 through 6. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. This is a great statement. What it says is, and this is, this is a convicting one. So when you find yourself in a sinful state, what you will find is that your mentality of your soul, you, that part, have your mind bent on doing something that is wrong. That's what that says. Have their minds set on the flesh desires. Okay? But, contrast, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on the Spirit, what the Spirit desires. So this tells you that it is your choice. You are the volitional part. You get to make a choice. Do you want to live according to the Spirit? Or do you want to live according to your flesh? God gives you that choice. Unbelievers don't have that choice. They only have the flesh. We have that choice. That's how you can see Christians acting like jerks. You ever explain that? Why, how, how, how can a Christian do that? You say that sometimes. Because he's living in his flesh. He's living just like an unbeliever. How do you find people, when you see people walk with God, it's because their desire in their mind, their hope, their desire, their plea, their humility is that they want to live according to what God's desire is. They want their life to count. They want the life to count for the Lord. They want to fulfill his mission. They give up everything. They say, I will put you, and John was talking about, I will put you numero uno. You will be number one in my life. Not my wife, not my kids, not my job, not my money. I will give them all up to serve you. That's that. Know what it tells us in verse 6. This is a critical piece. He says, the mind governed, governed. Note that word governed. 
Okay, if you know what a governor is, this is a govern. Okay, the mind governed by the flesh is death. Okay, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What that means is that when you sin, if you stay in your sin as a Christian, your old sin nature controls your soul. It governs. If when you walk with the Spirit, and with the difference between these two is that when you sin, what you're required to do is 1 John 1, 9, right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All. Okay? And that way we're restored back to the Holy Spirit and now our souls are controlled by the Spirit of God. And we have the love of God. We have the peace of God. We have the joy of God. We have the self-control of God. Until we decide we don't want to play anymore, and we go against God, we sin, and we go back over to here. That's how that works. The life here that it says by the Spirit, says um, the Spirit is, that's an equal sign. We never see is, it's an equal sign is life and peace. This is not human life, right? You got that? What life is this? This is spiritual life. This is the life of God. This is the peace that Jesus talks about, the peace that passes all understanding. That only comes from the Holy Spirit. That only comes from the filling of the Holy Spirit. When you lose the filling of the Holy Spirit, you get afraid. You start making bad decisions. That's what happens. And how do you get back? You just confess it. Got that verse. Um, and he says a statement here. He says, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. And then it has a bunch of if clauses after this that have to do with Christianity, whether you are or you're not. Looking at this thing, I still have 45 minutes. Okay, so um, we're almost there. These are examples, okay? So what this is, is um, this is examples. This first example is Jesus. He says, um, for, the one who, for the one whom God has sent, the one whom God has sent, the one is Jesus, God is the Father, okay? Has sent, speaks the words of God, uh, for God gives him the spirit without limit. This is an example. This is Jesus being absolutely, totally filled by the Holy Spirit. He bubbles over in it, okay? So you wonder why we are required to use the Spirit in our life, because that's how Jesus Christ did it. This is a prophecy out of Isaiah 11. Without the Holy Spirit, you notice that one of the things it tells you to is that Jesus never used his own power as the Son of God. Never. He always used the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says that throughout Scripture. Okay? So here's the commandments for us. These are, the, these are uniquely Christian uh, commands. Now, I want you to know there's two words here you're, gonna, you, you're familiar. One is called indwelling. The other is called filling. Indwelling is what every Christian has um, when they're saved. The moment they're saved, they get indwelt. Okay? That means the Holy Spirit kind of puts a temple in them and puts Christ in that temple, and he's in your life, and he's inside of you, not till you die, but forever. Never a time. If you're saved, you will have the Holy Spirit in you and you have Christ in you forever and ever and ever. Nobody else in the Old Testament, New Testament, nobody else in the Old Testament, either forward or backward, has that. Only Christianity. It's unique Christianity. But on the other side, there's a thing about being filled. You're never commanded to be indwelt, but you are commanded to be filled. This is a command to you as Christians. If you do not take this command and you ignore it, you are not living the Christian life. Not my standard, God's standard. Okay? I didn't like it when I heard it either, just like to know. <clears throat> Galatians 5.16. This, this one's, uh, we already did this one. So it says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You want to know how not to be fleshly? Walk in the Spirit. It's the only way that you can not fulfill, you can gratify your sinful nature. It's the only way. There's not a second way. Okay, this is the part. Remember we're talking about the law couldn't do something, but the spirit could? That's the spirit could. The spirit can deliver you 
from the desires of your sinful nature. It, can, it is the only way to live a holy life. Okay. The second one's another command. These commands just keep coming at us, okay? That's why it doesn't say, it doesn't say, gee, think about it. It says do it, okay? Do not be, get drunk on wine that leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled. It's a command. Be filled. The Christian life is to be filled. If you don't know how to do that, you're in big trouble. <laughs> the big trouble is that you're not living a godly life. You're living a good life, nice life. You're a really sweet guy. Everybody loves you. But guess what? God says you stink. Remember that first word? That's what he says. And that's what he's going to tell you at the judgment seat of Christ. He's going to tell you that. You were really, really nice. Everybody really liked you. But guess what? You didn't even come to my standard. I told you to be filled, to do the Christian life in the Holy Spirit, and you blew me off. So consider yourself warmed. <laughs> Gee, it looks like the last slide. I don't know what to do with this. Did we do all of those? Oh, heck, yeah, we did. Good. Romans 13, 14. Uh, this is another mandate. Um, and there's a contrast here, okay? Notice what he says here. He says, rather, this is a but, from the word before, it says rather clothe yourself. Clothe yourself. Okay? This is the same word as the word govern. It means clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Why does it say that? That's how Jesus clothed himself. He was, he was oodles over him. He's infinitely the Holy Spirit. We are to do it the same way. The way that Christians become like Christ is by following the principles that Christ followed. If you do it on your own, you're going to be ashamed at the judgment seat of Christ. He'll sit there and say, great job, no cigar. Sorry. This doctrine is the most critical doctrine in Christianity. If you do not walk with the Holy Spirit, you do not fulfill anything that God wants from you. Okay? Even though we'll all think you're nice people. Okay? Um, and do not think how to gratify the desires of the flesh. This means that this is a directional choice, okay? Is that, you know something, one of the things that when you desire to go towards God is staying away from the things that aren't. Don't think about them. Don't let them in your head. They're evil. End of conversation. Anything that thinks like the world, you don't want it in your life, okay? The world is evil by definition, okay? Uh, last verse. Romans 8, 14. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Okay? This is talking about operational. It means that those who people who are truly the, the children of God, in the true sense of being his child, um, they are led. They are led in their lives by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're, an, if you're a believer and you are not led by the Holy Spirit, you're just one of those black sheep kids, you know? Uh, I have kids who do what I tell them to do and follow good principles, and I have ones that don't. Both my kids, okay? So this is telling us that if you want to fulfill the role that God has given to you, which is an honorable and a very uh, noble endeavor as a Christian, you need to be led by the Spirit. You need to know what that looks like. And that starts with the filling, okay? The Spirit does not deceive, uh, does not receive... The spirit you receive does not make you slaves um, so that you live in fear again. That's not what the spirit does. It doesn't make you a slave. It makes you a free man, a free man to choose to serve God. That's what we have before us. We have the freedom to serve God. Unbelievers don't have that freedom. Okay? This is an honor, what we have. Rather, the spirit you receive Brought, brought, you, um, about your, brought about your adoption as sonships. And that means that we're adopted by God. We are the very children of God. Not a nation, but each and one of you who believe in Jesus Christ, you're his very child. Okay? That's not like the Jews who were a nation, but not individual. Remember when Jesus said, I am the son, they wanted to kill him. It's blasphemy. That's not blasphemy from us. We're his children. And it says... And by him, Jesus Christ, we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father is like Daddy, Poppy, Papa. It's a, it's a relationship of intimacy. Because we are adopted, because we belong 
to God the Father. We are his children. Jesus Christ is our brother. Because of those things, we can call God by that name. He's ours. That's the relationship. So, last pieces. Just a summary piece. The, the fruits of the Spirit are not yours. They're his. And you get them when you're filled. You don't get them any other way. There is a human virtue that's called that, that virtue of mastery of self-control. That is ungodly. That's the world. It looks good. Don't be confused about it. It's not godly. God does not accept it. If he did accept it, then I could be good enough to be saved without Christ dying. But no matter how good I am, or how controlled I am, or how joyful and happy and loving I am, if I don't believe in Jesus Christ, I am going to hell. Because that's the standard. That's the God standard. And the last one, lack of self-control is sin. When you see that you do not control, when you are emotionally unstable, it tells you that you are not in sync with God or the Holy Spirit, and you need to just throw yourself on your knees, and you need to confess your sins and restore that. And the last piece, the filling of the Holy Spirit produces the fruit, singular, all of those in you, clothing you just like he clothed Jesus Christ. And that's what Christianity looks like. So let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your great love for us. I pray, Lord, that we will look at this doctrine. This is, a, this is the only way. It's like the, the, the only way for salvation is Jesus Christ. The only way to serve you as a Christian is to be filled by the Holy Spirit. There's not a second way. I pray, Lord, that we will consider this so that we will not be embarrassed, so that we will truly save you. You will truly be part of your plan and, and, and be part of the the things that you have in mind, both blessing ourselves and those who surround us in time and eternity. I ask this in Jesus' name who did that perfectly.